Hey, church family, welcome back to the Deep In with Pastor Joby Martin podcast. I'm your host, Allie Parsons, and we've been in this series called Rescue Mission, where we are talking about what it looks like when you become a part of the rescue team and how that plays out in our community and beyond. We have covered the list of topics this season from fighting for the unborn, rescuing children from poverty, and fighting against human trafficking. And this week is a little bit different. We have a special Christmas treat for you. Uh, We have Gretchen Martin on this week. Gretchen is a wife, a mom, a disciple maker, a worship leader, a writer, and she just so happens to be Pastor Joby's wife. So we talk about what Christmas looks like in the Martin household. We also talk about Santa. So if you have some little ears around and you don't necessarily want them to hear all the ins and outs of Santa and what culture says about Santa, then you may want to move rooms or uh, save it for another time. But we cover so many fun topics and we talk about the realities of being the wife of a lead pastor and how they've chosen to lead our church and what unique role Gretchen plays in the life of our church and our congregation. It's a great conversation. I hope you have a really Merry Christmas and enjoy this time with Gretchen and Pastor Joby. Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Deepin Podcast. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, you know, we record these right after 722. So Christmas hasn't happened yet, but all, anyone listening or watching, they've just had Christmas. Um, but it's been a fun season that we've been in for Christmas and rescue mission. And we have Gretchen here, Yay. which is so fun. He's so excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. And this one's going to be a little bit different than what we've had so far with Rescue Mission, um, because you are not one of our partners. Um, I mean, you are, but uh, yeah, you have a really unique role here. And this is just going to be a real Christmassy episode. We're going we're gonna to talk about what Christmas Thank is you. like in your house. And it's my favorite, so. Great. Um, okay, it. so let's start there. What does Christmas morning look like in the Martin household? It looks very different today than it did 10 years ago. <laughs> When they were little, but today we are begging them to wake up so we can open presents, usually. Yeah, we have a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. So the days of the 5.30 wake up are over. Praise the Lord. Well, Reagan still, she gets very excited and she'll go pounce on her brother and try to get him up and he gets mad and then Joby insists on making breakfast first and he's really just kidding, you know, like once they're up and wanting to open presents, we try to tell them, no, we have to eat, and we have to do this, and do your laundry. Just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> your laundry before yeah. you have <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, you know, it's different with teenagers yeah. than with littles. You're in like the more expensive gift phase too. Oh yeah. Like right now, you know, we have a 15-month-old, so the gifts are like pretty cheap overall. Well, and probably a lot of people that have been with us for a long time remember that JP was really into the little plastic green army men, which... You get like 300 for $3. So that was really cheap, and it was awesome. Yeah, no doubt. And then he got into the video games and other things that, you know, cars. (laughs) Cars. Cars, real cars. Real Real cars. cars. (laughs) Well, a car. He has a car. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Not multiple cars. Right. Yeah, now I'm buying. I can just get him stuff that I like and won't. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like knives and guns and things like that. Merry Christmas. 
I bet everyone thinks that the Martin house, you guys wake up and like immediately do Bible study because mm-hmm. it's Christmas. No, every day. Right, every day, right, right. <laughs> Always family Mom Bible sings. studies. We do too. Traditional hymns. <laughs> has, has Christmas ever been, like Christmas morning ever not lived up to anybody's expectations in your household? Do you have any memories of like, with our our four, sure. Or, I mean, or your your growing up, either. You know, I think I've always just loved Christmas so much that I've never really cared about mm. all the things. It's more about the people and just the whole thing. I am so excited! It's going to be twenty two degrees on Christmas because oh, right. I grew up in cold. I grew up in Virginia, and cold means Christmas to me. So I've how long have we been here now in Florida? Eight, 19 years? 19 years. I still can't get used to 80 mm-hmm. degrees on Christmas. And so this is going to be an extra special Christmas. <laughs> so everything good that happens at our house at Christmas is because of Gretchen. She does all the things. She decorates the whole place. I don't do anything. <laughs> she like gets all the presents <laughs> except for hers. <clears throat> and sometimes she gets hers and she wraps it and then opens it herself. So to that's cool. Self. It's fun. Yeah. Um, but it is so like Christmas Day at our house is it's great, man. It's really great. Kids get we're just like everybody else. Yeah. I mean, we love Jesus, so we mm-hmm. read Luke too. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that we'll watch the Devo to, from me to us. That's always <laughs> kind of weird, you know, because there's a whole sermon and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but we'll, we always read Luke too. Mm-hmm. We do a little bit of like, what are you grateful for? Um, there's just four of us, so we slow down the present opening like one at a time. Everybody mm-hmm. pays attention. We try to keep that. As slow as possible, mm-hmm. but it's great. We also have like some of our best friends live on our street and around the corner, and they all go to church here. So inevitably, we all end up together. Mm-hmm. So we don't. I mean, I don't think we've ever had a big, a really big letdown or yeah. anything like that. You know, it's really fun. Um, okay, so Gretchen, you love Christmas. I do. So did you bring? Did you have any traditions from when you were growing up that you were like, I want our family to do this? And that you still do. Hmm. I think that one that I don't do is eggnog. <laughs> Same. And we always did it. I yeah. Couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. The raw eggs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that. So that's one I didn't bring. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Really. I think both of us are very adamant about we don't let our kids open a present on Christmas Eve. Because we're Christians. <laughs> and so they ask every year, our friends get to open presents on Christmas Eve? And we're like, nope, you're not doing that. And we ne- I never did that. So it's, that might be the only thing, though, Except really. Occasionally, mom will break the rule. But it's oh. kind of, sort of. But she's like, you can only open this one. And it's Christmas pajamas, and we're required to, like, sure. wear them the, the next thing. day. You know what I mean? It's really for her. <laughs> totally. It's for the picture, you know, the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, it was the only thing. That's the only okay. Christmas Eve present we've ever— That's fun. So, so we had traditions, but they oh, yeah. had nothing to do with Jesus. <laughs> but, so probably, like, the tradition I brought in is an exorbitant amount of gifts. Yeah. Like, that's how I grew up. It was so crazy. The church knows. Prayed for my dad's salvation for 30 years, got saved a couple years ago. But Christmas would be a time where, where, you know, where the Bible talks about God as our heavenly father. And it was like the attributes of my dad, particularly at Christmas, helped me understand God as father. Mm. So we were, I mean, he's, he's a, he's great. He always worked hard, had good jobs, but we didn't have a ton of money or anything. And I mean, like in 
fifth grade, I'd be, we'd be at Walmart and I'd say, Daddy, can I get a G.I. Joe or whatever, third grade? And he'd be like, son, we can't afford that. So all year is we can't afford that, right? But at Christmas, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The presents we got. Motorcycle one year, that was sixth grade. Go-kart one year. And he would do it up. Like, it would be in the living room. The motorcycles would be in the living room. The go-kart he'd put together and it'd be in the living room. That kind of thing. And so, even today, I mean, I'm way grown. I'm a year from 50. And the amount of gifts that they will send, and my dad will send us, is is crazy. And I think... I mean, I think Gretchen's family was like more focused on Jesus and, you know, they would go to church and, and the, her mom would play the piano, the organ, right? <clears throat> and so... We had presents. Well, I know, but <laughs> for us, like, presents were like the thing. It was, mm. it, was, it was like my dad's way of... He wasn't like the most affectionate fellow you ever met in your life. Now he's softened up a lot. But it was like his way mm. of, of showering love on me and my brother. And so <laughs> we try to do that. Yeah, I thought of a tradition as you were talking that we do that we always did growing up. Um, my parents never put one present out until Christmas Eve after we went oh. to bed. The, the tree was empty until they woke up in the morning, and Very then the living room would be full of presents. Yeah. It's just so dramatic that way, yes. and it's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a lot of work at night, but <laughs> Christmas Eve, but yeah. it's worth it. It's worth the see that's their faces. That's really fun. Yeah. You're talking about your dad. It it touches on something that I want to talk more about because we kind of live in this culture, especially as a Christian. And as a new parent, I find myself, my husband and I are always talking about, where's that line between we want the holiday to be Jesus-centered and the reason for the season is Jesus but presents are fun and Santa's fun and the season is fun. And what you're saying, which is so interesting to me, is you did feel the gospel, even if you couldn't articulate it at the time, now For looking sure. back, you could feel the gospel based on how your dad lavished you in presents. So it wasn't about the stuff necessarily. At the time, maybe it was for you as a kid. But now looking back, you see that as lavish love of a father. So here's the thing, man. If Jesus is not a part of your family all year and you think you're going to dial it up at Christmas, you've lost the game. Mm. I don't think our children would think that Christmas is more Jesus-y at our house because he is the center of our home all the time. It's not like yeah, now I'm all for different seasons, you you know, mm. you you may add something so that you're more ready, you know, that's what advent is. Mm. <clears throat> but but talking about what God's doing in our life, talking about what's going on in your life, those are just normal parts of our life at our house. So therefore, I mean, it's kind of back to the one initiative, you know? It's not like you're just putting Jesus at the top of the list during the Christmas season because he's the reason for the season. Actually, your your sin is the reason for the season, but I digress. Um, <clears throat> so, of course, we're going to read Luke 2. We're going to pray, and then we're going to, um, like Paul tells Timothy, uh, that God has given us these gifts to enjoy. And we're going to enjoy it like crazy. It is a hard thing to be like, because we love Jesus so much, you get, you get way less. <laughs> yeah. Selah. <laughs> yeah. Selah. <laughs> yeah, I, man, he's a good dad. He likes to give good gifts to his kids. I do too. I love it. I love to give good gifts. That's a fun perspective. I really, totally. I'm really glad you shared that. Yeah, I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. Jesus said it. <laughs> 
What father among you, if his son asked for a fish, would give him a scorpion? That can be like, yeah. there's some Christian there, parents yep. that do that. Yep. And I don't think they're being the kind of dad or parent that Jesus says you ought to be. Mm. Or you Jesus juke them with some kind of, this year, you're getting Compassion Kids. <laughs> Dude, we're pro, we sponsor seven right now. So on Compassion Weekend, Reagan wrote seven letters. You know, you could do both. You could lavish yes. your kids with gifts, and and it just depends on you know what makes sense in your budget, that kind of yeah. stuff. Can we talk about Santa for a minute? Oh, I'd love to. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. okay, my good. dad called me two weeks ago, panicked. He said he read an article in the Wall Street Journal that the upcoming generation is saying that they cannot do Santa with their kids because it is lying to them and it's going to traumatize their kids when they get older and they find out Santa isn't real. This isn't like Christian saying this. This is like cultural. Mm -hmm. And Santa's kind of getting a bad reputation a little bit these days. So can you just give us some of your thoughts on Santa and as a believer, how can we do Santa well? Gretchen, (laughs) me or you? Um... So, oh gosh, how do I? We we were pro Santa. Yes, how do all the way through? I say this in a not mean way. I grew up with families that literally wouldn't wouldn't let their children watch The Wizard of Oz, participate in anything, because I know that there's this what or what I don't even know what people are saying. There's this demonic or well, the Bible says we shouldn't participate in witchcraft or that kind of thing. Obviously, Santa. Is a witch. <laughs> what? I don't. And then Narnia came out. They're like, "What shall we do?" Like, we yes, do? exactly. I know. No. Yeah, I don't. You know, I feel like I don't have time for people who have that much time to think about <laughs> that that much. But I will say that the legend slash story of Saint Nicholas is that he was a very wealthy man and he loved Jesus and he gave his entire inheritance to orphans and people in need. So if you want to call that demonic, I really don't have anything else to say. <laughs> but that sounds like the hands and feet of Jesus to yeah, me. That's right. um, and that's if good. that's where Santa came from, then... That's good. So I'm not trying to tell anybody how to run their house, right? God has elected and ordained that dad and mom to run their house and raise their kids however they want. Now, this current generation is scared of everything. So the fact that they're also scared of Santa, you know. Fits on brand. Oh my gosh, give me a break. And for them to talk about lying, they believe a lie every day of their life, so. I blame it on COVID. <laughs> well, that didn't help, okay. People had too much time to think. Oh my gosh, okay. True. So, but the way you think about any cultural issue as a believer, if you think about it in three categories, then it, I think it can help as you discern what it means as a believer in regards to, you know, there are people like Christmas is a pagan holiday and and I'm like, hold on, man, time out. So there are some things that the culture gives us and you just outright reject. Mm. You say, no, 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 that's evil and we don't do that. Now, are you lying to your kid when you talk about Santa? You know, that's too black and white of a statement. Am I I lying to you if I throw a surprise birthday party for you? No, 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 man. Sometimes you are surprising people. There's also make-believe, you know? Mm. So with C.S. Lewis lying because lions can't talk and there's not a place called – no, 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 man. That's called make-believe. So there there are outright lies. Sometimes we withhold truth because we're trying to surprise somebody for their own benefit. And then there is make-believe. And so all these things are 
Fine, okay? So some things from the society you outright reject, okay? Then there are some things, because God gives us common grace, and you just receive them as is, whether they're overtly Christian or not, right? Um, And then there's a big section in the the middle where you don't reject it and you don't just receive it as is. You redeem it. And I think that's what Christians have done with Christmas. So for sure, there it lines up with some holidays where you know, where people that worshipped all kind of gods were worshiping the the sun god and the moon god, all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, great, no problem. And then what we do is we we have redeemed that, and we're not celebrating the birthday of Jesus. We're celebrating Jesus's birth. Santa Claus would be a good example. There are for sure some things like the way Gretchen described. Old Saint Nick, who is rooted in an actual person, that is redeeming the practice of giving gifts to one another mm-hmm. and being generous. It's not a long leap to then tie that to the Magi coming to Jesus and laying gifts at his feet, which didn't happen when he was a baby in a manger. It's probably like two or three years old at a house, but that's fine. It's close <laughs> enough. And so I think if parents would think about it that way, you can reject some things that you should. The crazy thing is, is there's a bunch of like Christian parents, and what they do is, man, they reject people, mm-hmm. or they're not rejecting the right things. They just let their kids fill their brains with the worst stuff on the planet, or send them to a school that tell them you were nothing but an accident, and you have no purpose, and I mean, to, to some godless places to train up their kids. They completely receive that and don't pay attention to it, and then reject things like Santa Claus. Right. It's crazy. So you got to reject some things, some things you just receive, because every good and perfect gift is from above, and then some things you redeem. That's great. That's really good. I was telling you earlier, something that we did when the kids got old enough to really process and think through questions they would ask us, like, Mm -hmm. is Santa real? We would say, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And we would just turn it back on them. And typically, they would just just go crazy with (laughs) all the reasons why, of course, Santa is real. And we would just say, I think you just answered your own question, buddy. Yeah. And leave it at that. And I think that it's okay to let a child have an imagination and 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 just have fun. Sure, you know there's nothing um, anti-Christian about that in my in my book. But I agree. And my book is the Bible. Yeah, and I don't know that any of us are really messed up now because we found out Santa wasn't real. Like we're not in necessarily we counseling just, for We that. need to do a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast. Like parents, don't listen to this in the car with your kids. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely PG nine or whatever the age is. PG whatever, <laughs> however old your kid was. Yeah. Um, okay, so taking a slight turn away from Santa and Christmas, I want to talk about rescue mission for a bit. So we've heard from Pastor Joe B throughout this series that this series was your idea. And so I want to hear from you, Gretchen, on where this idea from Rescue Mission came from and how I want to know about when you first told Joby that this was what oh, you had in mind. It was, I mean, the angels were singing behind me. No, I think he came home one day and I don't even think I'm remembering it all. I mean, it was a long, how long has that been? We I mean, I'm, I'm usually two years a ago. year, yeah. two years out so, on sermon yep. yeah. series. I am, my memory is horrible. So he, I was like, Toby, I know I came up with it, but what did I say? (laughs) Um, But I think he came home one day from work or he had been working on all of your sermon series or whatever. And you, you started talking about it. And I do remember that. I mean, the ultimate rescue mission was baby Jesus. That's right. 
I mean, and the fact that that is the way that he came to us is it's just I can't get my mind around that because it could have been anything, right? Um, but the incorporating rescue mission in the Christmas season and having like us really highlight some of our people that we partner with and, you know, the way that they rescue people and the way that God just rescues us. And he, he started from the manger and he's still rescuing us today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's just a really cool, I just thought it was a really cool season to like highlight our ministry partners. And I don't know, what did I say, Joby? (laughs) That was it. You just had the idea. And, um, and she, I mean, it's not like she doesn't give me a lot of sermon advice. You know what I mean? So when she, does lean in and say, have you ever thought about this angle? To the point of inviting our ministry partners to this podcast mm-hmm. that we could highlight them and all that. And so I was like, well, that's got some teeth. Mm-hmm. And so I went away and wrote up what we've been listening to. It has been my favorite Christmas series for sure. It has flipped Christmas on its head for me mm-hmm. and and conversations I've had with people, especially in response to just going for it in this series and just saying, while the world is saying, be holly jolly, but also be so stressed out of your mind, we're sponsoring Compassion Kids and fighting for the unborn and talking about hard things. And it's just been a really beautiful Yeah, I think one of the biggest dangers in our current Christmas is, man, it's very narcissistic. Mm. I mean— it, it 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 becomes all about me real quick. Yeah. Like, here's who I want to come over. My house look, has to look better than everybody else's. <clears throat> what am I getting for Christmas? Then you get to a point where it's not what you receive anymore, but I want to buy the best presents for everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, all the holiday movies are about me, you know, my yeah. circumstances. And uh, it's just antithetical to the gospel, man. Mm-hmm. The gospel is, it ain't about you. Mm-hmm. And Gretchen is right. The greatest rescue mission of all time is the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. And the moment you get rescued, you're part of the rescue team. And you want to enjoy Christmas the most, you get on the rescue mission. Yes. And all of the other stuff just fades away. All that stuff you're talking about, the presents and the gift giving, it all just fades away because the right things are the main things. And you're able to focus on what actually matters and enjoy family time and coming to church and the... Jude Devo that we're walking through, like you just, everything just fades in a different way. And you're like, I don't really care how many Christmas parties I get invited to. Honestly, maybe I don't want to get invited to that many because they're exhausting most of the time. We are very selective. Uh, I'll give you my sweatshirt. It says, Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. No, but yeah, I mean, and I love how Rescue Mission that this, this series is just starting. Tintin Life. Yes. Like it's in the front part of our of Tintin Life. And I don't even know that two years ago did we even have Tintin Life. I don't I did. Yeah. I mean, this starts Tintin Life and Tintin Life is like one big rescue mission so thing. True. That's right. You know? Yes. So true. It's just really cool how it all has come together. It really is. And what I've also loved is this new platform you've stepped into in the discipleship life of our church. And there might be people who don't know this, but you led worship here for about 10 years, over 10 years, starting from back at Beach Church and then many years while we at the Church of Love and 22. 
and you were an incredible worship leader. Um, and then you just felt the Lord kind of closing that chapter, which I want to hear more about that. But then you stepped into, you wrote our saturated Devo this past fall and you're working on a Lent Devo for this spring. I am. And you're a really gifted writer and and I've loved watching you step into this new platform of discipleship for our church. It's incredibly significant and it is impacting so many people in our congregation. Um, so I'd love to hear first, like, how was it and what was the process when you felt the Lord kind of closing the door and letting you know that your time as a worship leader was coming to an end? It was a long process. Okay. Um, for probably two years, I was feeling that pull. And um, there were many animated conversations in our house about it between Joby and I. And um, we all have animated conversations. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's when she prays in tongues. That's what that means. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, I did, I felt it for a while. And, and I always tell people this with little kids. I'm like, it doesn't get easier. It just gets different. And for me, it got harder and harder for me to be there on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and all days, all morning Sundays, like from seven on or mm-hmm. whatever. But um, because you you become the taxi and it's easier when they're little because you just get the babysitter to come over. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's much harder when your husband has to be there every time you're there too. Right. <laughs> so you can't leave your husband home with the kids, right? Um, so I think that there was, I would just start to get frustrated that I felt like I was either letting the worship team down because I was always saying, Mm -hmm. I can't do Thursday, but I can do Sunday or I can do other way around. But, um, but anyway, I think that Austin, when (laughs) honestly, I think it was just God just saying, you know what, you just have to you have to free yourself from this feeling like you have to, you know, you have to do this. And I knew I didn't have to, I I felt like I didn't want to let the worship team down. I didn't want to leave them in a bind Mm because there's always like having to, you know, find somebody to replace me if Mm -hmm. I couldn't sing or whatever. Um, But when Lindsay and Austin came, I felt this weight off of my shoulders Mm -hmm. and I felt like now I, now I can, like everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I probably could have a year before that. I'm sure I could have. It would have been totally fine. But there was just this piece that I had about about closing that door. And I didn't know at the time what I wanted to do, but I was okay with that mm-hmm. because I just, I knew that that's what God was, God was closing that one. And I knew he would open another one. Pastor Joey, can I ask you what that was like to walk alongside her as a husband? Like, I'm sure you had to sometimes put your pastor hat off and put your husband hat on as she worked through that? I'm probably not very good at that. Um, I know I'm not very good at that. And dude, it's a heavy load to be the husband. Like Ephesians 5, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then the next bunch of verses talk about how Jesus washes the church in the word to present us as blameless before him. And then that's how a husband's supposed to love a wife. Okay, so let's get into the the mind and heart of Gretchen Martin. <laughs> Even though she looks perfect and all of that, the what the enemy whispers is insecurity. And so I had to fight 
for her when she was trying to step away for the wrong reasons. Because she would be, she'd begin to think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm like, hold on one second. You know, like, I'm just telling you, the effectiveness of your ministry is just, the, I mean, it's just the fruit is there, you know? <clears throat> and so I wanted to make sure, it's a tough thing, right? It's a tough thing to for a husband, and it's a tough thing for a wife. The Bible says, look, man, if you're going to be a good husband and wife, you better be real dang good friends. And the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. So when that friend happens, you happen to be married to him, and you're trying to say, I think insecurity is speaking here, not really the truth of why you should move on. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm trying hard. I want her to be the best version of her that God has created her to be. And I want, when we're done, and however, you know, if we are married 70, 80 years till we go to be with the Lord, I want her to think, God used that man to help sanctify me to be molded into the image of Christ. Okay, so very. Those are the animated conversations. I was, I was like, I don't want you to leave for insecurity. I don't you. What do you mean you're not good enough and you're not too old? All the things. Okay, the chirping. But then there was this other <clears throat> sense of it, which was, but I'm your wife and our children's mother. And this church currently has. Wonder how many female vocalists we have. Dozens? Yeah, I would say 12 okay. to 15. I have one wife. My kids have one mom. And that was the role that she had been called and created to fulfill. And like she said, when, it, when they, the kids were little, it was, it was more manageable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you start getting to like teenage years, almost all their tests are on Friday. That makes Thursdays really mm-hmm. tough. You know, there's all that kind of stuff. And so um, that, it, it, as she... As that became the driving force, then I wanted to just affirm that as fast as possible mm-hmm. and be like, no problem. Right. Because <clears throat> I've never had any expectations on Gretchen as my wife to play any kind of pastor-wife role here. Wife, for sure. But I I mean, I want her to be, <clears throat> to be like any other covenant member here, right? You... You're in disciple relationships with people. You come to church. You serve somewhere, wherever you want to serve. I don't care. And um, so she was in that transition, but it, it was really sweet, God. It was it was a sweet time of the Lord um, dealing, getting in there in her soul with some things. And then she's such an introvert, and she's so humble. She's like legitimately humble. Then people line up. And be like, when are you gonna start singing again? <laughs> and they're trying to compliment her, but it feel it feels like pressure. Yeah, because what she hears is, oh, I'm letting people down. I'm like, no, 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 babe. They're just trying to tell you you're awesome. Right. Okay. Now, people actually insult me, and I hear it as like <laughs> they probably think I'm awesome. You know, it's just what I how my brain brain works. <laughs> and she's the other way. But it was a sweet time. Yeah. And honestly, and you know, she she mentioned Austin and Lindsay, and God sent Lindsay at just the right time. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And and you know. They have a close relationship, and mm-hmm. Gretchen's able to mentor her. It's really cool. Yeah, it is so cool. And then you you played a big role in the um, Devo writing. People started asking, I don't know how you wrote the first one. Well, she wrote she wrote a Devo stuff. for our staff, staff for our staff. Right. And I remember listening to it in a car with five of us up to South Carolina, and we were all like, whoa. Yeah, because Gretchen <laughs> isn't— uh, um, she doesn't sound like a typical pastor's wife, and it's not the the 
typical real like flowery right. women's devotional. Correct. Like you're just so beautiful. <laughs> just sit in that. It's real pithy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Say it aloud. It's so, you know. She actually has, don't you have to like sometimes go back and add some more fluff? Like sometimes you you I, say it and you're like, oh, I need to like soften that a yes. little bit. So people Yeah, don't. <laughs> it can be harsh. Very. But I think that's what's so good. so good. Dude, I've read 10,000 devos. I mean, you know, with what I do, I've seen a devo or two. Sure. And hers are, I mean, I, there, there really is an anointing. There's a real gift there. And there are things like, sometimes you just got to check the fruit, man. When you did the saturated devos, it was the most online engagement this church has ever had in the history mm-hmm. of this church. Of any resource we have ever, you know, outside of like book sales where there's whole industries helping people sell books. But anything that we have created here, man, it was, it was great. People love it. I love them. She lets me read them all to like, proof them theologically, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I do. Yeah. I think it's important to have a female voice, right, in the church. And, sure. you know, I'm no pastor, that is for sure. But I'm not a fluffy, like, I, I will pick a men's Devo over a, a women's Devo all day long mm-hmm. because I don't like the fluff. Mm-hmm. Um, when I find a really good, solid female writer that, you know, gets gets down into the nitty gritty, then I, I'll read it. But, and I think that's just how I, I want, I don't want it to, I want it to, I want women and men to read it. Yes. And a lot of times it, it's just true. Men will look at a female, I mean, they're not going to pick up a female devotional to mm-hmm. read, right? And so I don't want that. I want to reach the whole congregation. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so. What is your writing process? Like what, how do you do it? Well, <laughs> it's very strategic. <laughs> I procrastinate and then I do it. No, I um, I don't. I don't really have a process. I have um, segments of time that I sit down and I just make myself sit in quiet and I will listen to sermons and read commentary over and over and over until I feel like something has teeth. And then I'll start writing. That is Which, definitely let me say, a process. Um, I mean, I've known this girl for twenty plus years. We've been it'll be twenty three years in February. We've been married a couple years before that. Okay, so a long time. The depth and the digging and study that she's done, I was I was pleasantly surprised in all the right ways. I'm like, whoa, this is this is not. Here's the problem with most devos: read this passage. And now read how I feel about <laughs> yes. this passage. What? I honestly don't care how you, rando person, you know, that got picked up by some publisher in Nashville feel about what that says. And most of the time, the way people feel about it has nothing to do with the actual passage. Right. Like, right. If, if you exegete the passage, that's not even what it's talking about. It drives me batty. That's why I hardly do any devos like that. Right. And and she was digging. I mean, you know, and, I, and I'm like, are you getting my commentaries out of my Like, what? You know, but there's some places she's going. She's really mm-hmm. digging through it. And and they're really good. They're challenging, mm-hmm. you know. They're really challenging. So, and I know I'm super biased, sure. and <clears throat> I want them to be awesome. But there's enough um, uh, critical voices, and I mean like people with a critical mind, not a critical heart. Mm-hmm. Critical heart, bad. Critical mind, good. There's mm-hmm. enough people like that who God has used these devos to talk to, yeah. and you hear that enough. You're one. I mean, I don't. You wouldn't read fluff and be like, "That's no. so good." No, nope. right. <laughs> and. I hope you're okay with me sharing this, but um, one thing I love about you is 
So you wrote the saturated Devo. We got great feedback from it. We're talking about a Lent Devo. It's going to be longer. It's 40 days. Um, and we're like, we want Gretchen to write it again. And I reached out to you and said, you know, would you consider writing this Lent Devo? And I feel like if I asked any other person on staff or at our church, they would just jump at it. They wouldn't even think twice. They would say, yeah, oh, an opportunity to write a Devo for the, yes, absolutely. And not that you weren't excited about the opportunity, but you said, can I think and pray about it for a few days? I wanna make sure with travel coming up that I have enough time and energy to steward that opportunity really well. And I just appreciate that. It says so much about your character that you don't just say yes to things because they're shiny and the whole church will know about it and do it. That's not your heart at all. Actually, I feel like that's the part you don't love as much is the... I'm like, don't put my name on <laughs> right. it. And please don't make me record Do them. a video. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, but you're just so intentional with your time and energy and wanting to make sure that the Lord, that you, even though we felt like this was a really great thing for you to do for our church, you wanted to make sure that was what the Lord had for you and that you could spend the time you needed on it, which just says a lot about your heart and the place it's in and just genuinely wanting to disciple our church. Yeah. And I mean, our congregation is amazing and our church deserves really good material and I don't want to put junk out there. So mm -hmm. I definitely needed to pray about it and, you know, it'll be down to the wire like it always is, <laughs> but I'll get it done. She cares zero about her name being on it. She really would love to be able to do this anonymously. Mm -hmm. But I think a part of the interesting aspect that I think a lot of our folks are into is like, you have a unique perspective at this church. You are, the, you are one of one. There are many people that are employed here. There are many people that have many job descriptions. You're the only job description that includes being married to me. Yes. And so I, I also think it's cool that you write about what's happening in our house or with our kids, you know, some of that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, because I think it's cool for our people to understand our lives just a little bit. I think so too. And I that's what I, I wanted to talk about that next is the other unique role that you play is the wife of a lead pastor. And I think a lot of people have no idea the sacrifice that that takes, the character that that takes, um, the weight that you carry. I think a lot of people, they don't understand, but they acknowledge that Pastor Joby carries a huge weight for our church and our congregation, but you share in that weight. And um, we have a lot of people that listen who are ministry leaders and other pastors. And there are a lot of ways to slice the cake of how you're going to be a lead pastor and some people co-pastor with their wives and what role the wife plays in launching a church and leading a church. Can you all talk about how you made the decision to structure it the way you did and, and what it's like to be, you know, the wife of a lead pastor? Um, I have, my grandmother was a pastor's wife and when we got married, or when we got engaged, my grandmother sat me down and said, you sure you want to do this? It is not easy being a pastor's mm -hmm. wife. She was in a totally different world. She was in a church that voted every year to keep or kick out <laughs> her husband. And if she was not at every single thing that was offered at the church every night, mm. then that could have been an ex, you know. Right beside his name the next time they voted. Um, 
so I, you know, I looked at her and I was like, it's not like that anymore, Grandma. But, and it's, this church has been such a blessing to me personally and to our family, to us. It is, I can't, I don't, it's, there is no sacrifice. Yeah, it gets hard at times. He's got busy seasons where he's traveling and he's doing things. And, you know, sometimes I might be like, all right, I'm your wife. Just remember that. <laughs> but not much, you know. And I think the main thing that I try to do is to um, make sure the kids don't feel it, you know, and they don't. Um, I am not a pastor. I'm not a co-pastor. We would never structure it that way at this church. Um, he went to school for a very long time to be a pastor, and I did not. And so I would never want to take that from him. Um, but I, you know, I my number one role is to be his helpmate and to be his biggest fan, mm. his biggest cheerleader. Yeah. And I think that if I didn't play that role, he would not be who he is. Facts. And there are times when I don't play that role very well, and we feel it. Mm-hmm. He feels it, you know? And so— it, it is like I have to say that to myself all the time. Like if he, if I don't, if I don't play the role that God has put me in, if I am not doing that, then he can't do what he does. And eleven twenty two would not be what it is, you know. So. Yeah, but I am first and foremost called a son of God, and then your husband, and then our kids' dad, and then the lead pastor. And I love this church. And the people here are, and when I say this church, that's what I mean, man. Our people are so good and so gracious and so like, they don't heap goofy expectations on you or me. And they love us. And they, I mean, we're filming this so late because I have to, I don't have to. I stand in the lobby and just people just want to say hey and hug you and give you, say Merry Christmas. You know, our people are just, and our elders are, incredible, take care of us. So all that, the blessings are through the roof. And there is a huge sacrifice that Gretchen has to play. Huge, man. I mean, you know, we're coming off the 1010 life, right? Um, Yeah, man, there's multiple hundred hour weeks leading into that. Mm -hmm. Or we just don't get to go where God's called us to go. I don't know how to tell you how it works. It just, you know what I mean? Paul says he would pour himself out. And I love this church. I hope and pray God will allow me to be here as lead pastor for 20 more years and then still stay around even after that and help the next guy just win like crazy. But I would walk away from it all for my wife and kids. I mean, like that. And so we're in this thing together all the way, all the way. And God's blessed us together. We get to do a lot of ministry together. Gretchen runs a... a Women's Disciple Group at our house. <clears throat> you know, our kids are fully involved in student ministry. We love this church for that. We get to do this together. For a long time, she was singing, so we were in services together. And then now she's, I mean, these devos are, we're in this thing together. Mm-hmm. And it's been great, man. I mean, Psalm 34 is like, come glorify the Lord with me. Let us worship him together. We've gotten the opportunity to do that. And then also it's been really neat to see um, with her writing these devos and studying the word like this, you got to know it differently if you're going to just, if you're going to teach it, not just try to absorb it. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time, man, the greatest way to deepen your walk with Jesus is help somebody else discover theirs. And I've get, I'm getting to see like a another gear of that mm-hmm. um, in the current role that she's in. That's so good. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that the blessings far exceed the sacrifices mm. that we have to make. But yeah, it's sacrifices not, for it's, us are like, okay, people come and say, hey, to us at dinner. All right, how terrible is that? If we, <clears throat> you know, we if we don't want nobody to talk to us, we just eat at home. That's fine. <laughs> like, I, it's not a bother, man. Yeah. Right? These are our brothers and sisters at our church. We're family. Yeah. It's not a bother, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's stuff like that. I will tell you the times, the big sacrifices <clears throat> are occasionally there have been some, like, real haters. Oh, yeah. There'll be a little online campaign to come after me or yeah. picketers out front. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, or some tabloid magazine or something tries to run some dirt on you. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my, It's hard to explain to your family. They didn't sign up for that. Mm-hmm. They didn't sign up for that stuff. Yeah. Well, one final question as we close. We are heading into a new year, and we already talked about the controversy of Santa. So <laughs> right. my next controversy, controversial question is, do you believe in New Year's resolutions? <laughs> no, because I can never keep them. <laughs> True. I can never keep them, so no, I don't. Um, yeah, whatever. If you want to make decisions to try to be better, neat. <laughs> but no. I don't want Pastor Joey to ever tell me neat. Neat. Yeah, that's not neat. a positive <laughs> it's not a word anymore. Uh-uh. <laughs> Was in the seventies, maybe. <laughs> no. Uh, the, <clears throat> all right. So let's. The reject is if you think a better version of you is going to solve all your problems, you're believing the lie. The receive is it's probably always a good idea to do some self evaluation and see if things need to change. Good. The redeem is if you want to call that New Year's resolutions, that's fine. But if you anchor them to your resolve, you will fail. Mm-hmm. If you are asking the Spirit of God to help you, there almost all New Year's resolutions, if you want to do this in a way that honors God, put it all around stewardship, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That could include finances. It might be a physical thing. could be a relational thing. But evaluate your life in light of the Shema. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And say, Lord, Psalm 139, search my heart and see if there are any wayward parts in me. What areas of my life? Because the new year is a great time to adjust that. And if you've been neglecting relationships or your mind or your body or finances, those kind of things, and you want to use that as a time to readjust, cool. But if it's based on your resolve, it will fail. Mm -hmm. If it's rooted in the Spirit of God, then it should produce fruit because that's what He does. That's great. Well, on that note, Gretchen, will you pray for us and our church as we head into this new year in 1010 Life? I sure will. Heavenly Father, you are amazing, and what you have done to this church and through this church is something that I can I still can't comprehend. But God, you you are here, and you are working through us, Lord. And Lord, will you just um be with us this Christmas season and let us feel your presence, God, um, and through the New Year's, Lord. Would you just make this a peaceful time on this earth? We have not seen that in a while, Lord, and you know this world is what it is, and we can't stop that. It is going to be what it is until you return, Lord, but will you just guide us, Lord, and let our New Year's resolutions be all about you. Lord, let them be about the 1010 life. Let them be about what we can do for you, not what we can do for ourselves, God. 
Thank you for loving us, and thank you for sacrificing everything for us so that we can live. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Martins. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.